This is a podcast from thebuglepodcast.com. Newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to the Bugle Season 2. Uh, we are back for another 272 episodes of thrilling action and spine tingling romance in this, the internet's longest running drama series, starring me, Andy Zaltzman, the British Nadia Komanech, and reporting in from the silly side of the Atlantic, where he has spent the summer telling naughty people off on a weekly basis. It's the man Dan Rather always dreamed of being, John Oliver. Hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers. Well, that was one fat season one, Andy. That was (laughs) one oversized first attempt at entertainment. Uh, Well, how was everyone's summer? I know that you, Andy, uh, went to... Edinburgh, the way that heavyweight boxers go to a ring. You went to cause some comedic concussions, Andy. You went to <laughs> knock some audiences out and then ostentatiously dance over their prostrate bodies as onlookers began to question whether this is a spectacle that humanity should really be condoning. Um, <laughs> how did it go, Andy? Well, pretty much exactly as you just described it, John. Yeah, that is yeah, what I thought. Was, uh... um, I, well, I myself was here in New York uh, working for most of the time. It's been A great deal of fun. Two weeks ago, just to give you a taste, I was standing next to a grand piano with my arm around a man in a giant gecko astronaut costume, pouring out a 40 in memory of the five dead Russian space sex geckos. And you know what I was thinking, Andy? I was thinking, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. You know, some people find peace in a baby's laugh, Andy. Uh, Others in the wind rustling through the trees on a sunny day. Personally, I find it in the dead plastic eyes of a six-foot-two pretend SpaceX gecko. We all <laughs> meet our moments of calm in our own way. I'd, I'd like to meet these people who find peace in a baby's laugh, because... <laughs> but I don't know, that's not my experience of parenting. I mean, for me, the baby's laugh is merely a harbinger of the baby's tears. So. <laughs> Chris, how was your summer? I haven't done anything. Better quality fatherhood going on. I, I've, I've changed nappies. Yep. I've uh, dreaded the return of the bugle. Right. To spend more time away from my baby. <laughs> who might need another nappy change at well, some I'm point. Just bring him in. Okay. Her. Her, bring her in. Mabel, Andy. Well, they often change over the summer. That is true. Yeah. Uh, well, of course, we left you earlier in the summer uh, with a series of gripping cliffhangers. Would Vladimir Putin return his metaphorical plonker? to the literal trousers of decency and rehouse it in the Y-fronts of compromise, would those naughty terrorists ever invest in some basic manners? And would England win the Football World Cup? And the answers to those three questions have turned out to be no, no, and almost certainly never. Uh, We left the world unattended, John, for three months, and frankly, its behaviour has left a lot to be desired. Uh, We're recording on the 18th of September, 2014. Now, this is coinciding with probably the most important moments in recent global history. Because today, John, as we record, it is my 10th wedding anniversary. Oh, that's huge. That means that 10 years and about three hours ago, my soon-to-be wife, as I'm sure you remember, uh, was busy leaning backwards in a taxi, dressed head-to-toe in a big old wedding dress, flipping a bird to John Oliver. (laughs) That's right. Best bird I've ever seen flipped, Andy. And, you know, I don't (laughs) say that lightly. I remember hearing about that bird flipping later that day after the wedding ceremony and thinking, she sounds like my kind of woman. (laughs) Uh, 
Just uh, some of the press headlines from that morning. Uh, Luckiest Girl in the World from International Romance Monthly Magazine. The Envy of All Women and Most Men, the New York Times. And The Lady Who Landed the Big Fish and Thus Sprayed Tartar Sauce in the Eyes of All Other Women, The Economist. So uh, ten, ten, ten glorious, glorious years. Uh, we're about to overtake uh, Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor in terms of marriage longevity. I say it's very much as peas in the same... Same pod. Uh, as always, a section of the Bugle is going straight in the bin. This week, the launch of the iPhone 6. Have you got one yet, John? Not yet, Andy, no. Right. That's uh, it's got to be a matter of time. Ho- uh, following hot on the heels of the uh, Apple Watch, which is uh, a watch that's revolutionarily you can put on your wrist, but which has a new feature in which it wirelessly links up with your brain and makes you think, this is completely f***ing unnecessary. Humanity did not do this. I want a real f***ing watch. In fact, just put a f***ing sundial on my wrist. Uh, but the iPhone 6, uh, quick review in our section of the bin, based once again on the classic quadrilateral shape, the rectangle, and featuring the classic surfaces, front and back. The 6 is more than just a phone. It can be used uh, as, amongst other things, a chopping board for small vegetables, an in-utero ice rink for parents who want their fetuses to learn to skate before birth, a genuine friend, a mortuary slab for deceased household uh, mice, and a pocket shield for hand-to-hand combat in the event of a medieval war breaking out. And, of course, you can simultaneously film the brutal close quarters quarters mayhem on the iPhone's camera, which uses digital memory to record the images rather than the traditional silver-plated copper plates that used to be used. In photography, so you can have an accurate rec- record of the fighting if you want to, if you want your surviving relatives to commemorate you in the form of a tapestry. The iPhone 6 has been controversially named after the high-ranking Nazi official Dr. Franz Six. I, I assume. <laughs> Why would they do that, Andy? Well, I mean, there's nothing in their promotional literature that says otherwise, so we have to assume the worst. When, I mean, that's, I, just, I think that shows perhaps overconfidence in their commercial uh, franchise. You'd have thought after the disastrous failure of the uh, Motorola Mussolini, these phone companies would steer clear of that kind of stuff. And also the iPhone 6 features uh, a spiritual side as well as uh, its uh, consumer side. Uh, it can wirelessly submit prayers to up to 30 of the world's leading deities simultaneously not including the Norse god Thor, who signed an exclusive deal with Nokia a couple of years ago. And it comes with an inbuilt app that monitors everything you do, read, think, eat, drink and say, before providing you with a daily projection of your likely afterlife status, claimed to be accurate to within 0.01% of an eternal damnation. And amongst the add-on peripherals, a five-seat family car with an iPhone charger at just $25,000. And to mark the historic launch, Apple is releasing... 100 million bottles of a new limited edition cider made from old iPhone 3s. Crushed down and fermented to make an alcoholic beverage described by Arnelius Tusk, the cider correspondent of the 21st Century Busan magazine, as, quote, surprisingly refreshing, if unquestionably metallic for a cider, but above all, wireless. That section, in the bin. Top story this week, okay the new or okay the yes... It's the Scottish Independence Referendum. Well, Andy, after two and a half years of campaigning and centuries upon centuries of tension, uh, it's all led us to this. Scotland today, today, (laughs) votes on whether or not to leave the United Kingdom and strike out on its own. And Scotland has, to put it frankly, not been as entertaining as this since they started inexplicably throwing tree trunks around. Uh, what is the feeling over there, Andy? It must be electric in the air. Well, I love the smell of democracy in the morning, John. It is 
all kicking off. It's uh, there is genuine excitement, John, about the democratic process, which uh, is frankly something that has put the major shits up Westminster, given that they've been basically exclusively dedicated to preventing democratic excitement happening for at least the last 20 years. And we're just worried about, you know, what uh, we could see the Queen cry in public for the <laughs> no, first time. No it, can't, no, it can't be done. The Queen crying yep. in public would be basically a, a minor tremble of the upper lip. And that would, yep. be, uh, at that point, Buckingham Palace would just burst into flames. <laughs> uh, you know, you know well, Andy, Joni Mitchell famously sang... Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? And she's still right, Andy, because in Scotland's case, the rest of the UK has a majestic country of spectacular landscapes, as well as the highest rate of heart disease in the whole of Europe. But like any divorce, if the UK were to split, there would clearly be serious problems. There would be the small matter of who gets what in the separation agreement. Scotland would probably take Andy Murray's Wimbledon title back, uh, meaning that no! we would... I know, no! I know, Andy. I know, meaning that we would once more be banking on Tim Henman making an incredible <laughs> career comeback. Uh, but in that case, Andy, if it happens, they can frankly kiss goodbye to Tilda Swinton's Oscar. She was born in f***ing <laughs> London. And the Scots, love it or leave it, you f***ing... Oh, God, I'm so emotionally unstable, Andy. It looks like they might actually go. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got very... Very close to the extent where David Cameron was reduced to fleeing north to Scotland and telling Scotland that it would break his heart if they left, which I think probably could be the decisive swing in favour of independence. I know you shouldn't vote. No question. No question, Andy. It would be worth it to upset him. (laughs) I know know when you're voting on a big thing, you shouldn't base it on short-term or personal concerns in such a major matter as this. But when that is offered to you, John, the look on David Cameron's face on Friday morning, tomorrow oh. morning, if Scotland votes to snap off from the rest of the UK, I could fully understand a 100% yes vote. It would be Just amazing. to see that. Like you say, it's not an ideal way to vote for full independence for your country, just to spite another human being. But even <laughs> if the consequences are disastrous, I do think a great grandfather Scottish man in the future could look down and his great-grandson, as his uh, inferno of a country continues going up in flames and say, I've got to tell you, kid, you should have seen the look on his face. I regret <laughs> nothing. He was so sad. Uh, I've not been over there uh, in the UK for the campaign, Andy, so I've not been subjected to its full force. But it does seem from the outside that the Better Together campaign was incredibly negative. Uh, I saw one photo of some billboards which apparently read, I love my family, so I'm voting no. What kind of (laughs) implication is that exactly? That sounds like the response to a mob threat. Lovely family you got there, all nestled (laughs) snugly in a 300-year-old economic union of nations. Such a shame if something were to happen to all of them. I love my family. I'm voting no. Please don't hurt them. <laughs> that is that was, that was to be honest about as positive as the campaigning got. There was a lot of complacency, I think, because uh, I think most people had assumed it would be a fairly comfortable no vote. And the tone of the early campaigning was basically just to say, well, if it was right for Britain 307 years ago, it is right for Britain now. And there've been some extraordinary adverts. Aside from that, there was uh, a, a long campaign uh, video advert in which it basically had a woman sitting at a, a table in her kitchen basically saying, I am too silly to vote as a humble woman, therefore I have to vote no. And it was, it was 
it was really democracy at its grubby, grubby worst. Uh, it appears there has been something of a shifting in tone uh, now from essentially threatening Scotland that uh, they risked Armaged- uh, economic Armageddon if they left to now essentially desperately appealing to their heartstrings saying that the UK would be irreparably damaged without them. And there were even last-minute promises from all three major Westminster leaders. On Tuesday, David Cameron, Nick Clegg and Ed Miliband published a vow signed by all of them <laughs> pledging extensive new powers for the Scottish Parliament parties, including a promise to, and I quote, share our resources equally. And that that kind of thing was absolutely not on the cards until Paul suggested that Scotland <laughs> might actually leave. All of which seems a bit like an emotionally abusive husband desperately buying flowers for his wife after finally spotting a packed suitcase of her things in the bedroom. And, <laughs> and it's even coming with even more insults, because apparently the No campaign this week has been distributing leaflets comparing Scotland to North Korea. And at this point, <laughs> at this point, England is just coming off as emotionally unstable. Don't leave. Please. I'm nothing without you. Oh, what the hell? If you want to go, go. You don't think I can get Norway to take your place in a second? Oh, I don't mean that. Here's some more parliamentary powers. You know that we're good together. And you know that if you only stop whining, you fat cow. I'm the best (laughs) thing that's ever happened to you. You'll never make it on your own. The EU don't want you. You're too old and your economy's all wonky. And if you you try to leave, I'll kill you and I'll kill myself. (laughs) In that order. No, the other order. Wait, I hate you, you beautiful bitch. Now kiss me and get out. Here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that was the Queen's internal monologue, essentially, <laughs> during the last uh, last couple of weeks. As you said, the, th- the three leaders w- ran up to Scotland. They basically cancelled Westminster for the day. They uh, cancelled Prime Minister's questions and went up to uh, up to Scotland. Now, given the popularity of Cameron, Clegg and Miliband, particularly in Scotland, this was the equivalent of trying to dissuade a lion from eating a child by dressing that child in a zebra costume. But it was a definite missed opportunity for Alex Hammond. If he'd been a real Scottish leader, John, he would have taken advantage of England's top brass being AWOL and invaded. (laughs) Just as Cameron was getting off the train in Edinburgh for a busy day avoiding public engagements for fear of being egged, Salmon would have been already burning down the walls of York and painting himself blue. Screaming, you're all Scottish new! Uh, the, the whole world seems to suddenly be paying attention uh, to this, especially now there seems to be a genuine possibility that Scotland will go. Even China has publicly come out as completely against the idea, although, to be fair, I do think that's more because they hate the idea of independence in any form rather than Scottish independence in particular. It's more <laughs> a, a sense, really, of saying Scotland should not have independence. Do we make that clear, Tibet, you stroppy little shit? <laughs> Uh, Former Italian Prime Minister uh, Enrico uh, Letta has uh, also warned that Scotland voting for independence would be a disaster for Britain and the EU. Although, I tell you what else would be a disaster for Britain and the EU, Andy, and that is Italy continuing to stuff its economy into the boot of its car, tie cinder blocks to its angles and pushing the car off a bridge. If they could stop (laughs) doing that, that might help as well. Uh, Tony Abbott, uh, your old buddy, uh, the Australian uh, Prime Minister, he also waded in saying uh, uh, a few weeks ago now, he said this, I think that people who would like to see the breakup of the United Kingdom are not the friends of justice or the friends of freedom. Which was a slightly extraordinary thing to say and did rather suggest that uh, in on the border of Syria and Iraq there are ISIL terrorists saying, tell you what, folks, 18th of September, let's take a day off from hating the West and hating women 
uh, and let's watch this fascinating display of democracy <laughs> unfold. And a quick note to any uh, any members of uh, ISIL or ISIS uh, listening, when Al-Qaeda are bawling you out for bad behaviour, you need to take five and think about your corporate ethos as a franchise. So it all comes down, Scottish independence, to a very simple question. In January of last year, after an almost unbelievable amount of debate over the specific language with which the question would be posed, both sides settled on this. The question, should Scotland be an independent country? It doesn't really seem like semantic rocket science to construct a basic question with just six words, which provokes a yes-no response. But at least they managed it, Andy, because in Canada, the Quebecers have apparently faced in their referendums a 43-word question and a 106-word question. But you know what? That's the French for you, Andy. I think that question even mandated that before you answer, you drink half a bottle of red wine and that the only two potential responses were a shrug or an indecipherable large gesture with your hands. <laughs> also, the way French works with that 106 word question, it probably just translated as yes or no in English. Um, <laughs> you said there has been a phenomenal amount of economic, uh, economic uh, scaremongering, uh, and uh, businesses and uh, the British government generally acting like a grumpy parent at a children's sports day saying, I would not enter that event if I were you. You could lose an eye if the egg ricochets off the spoon into your face. Uh, both sides have been calling bullshit on each other's economic projections, which. It's fine and understandable because all economic projections are bullshit, or at least some kind of alchemic combination of guesswork, subjective emphasis, carefully selected and decontextualised facts, and honest, barefaced lies that collectively smell like bullshit. Because economics, John, is a flighty, fickle and temperamental little shit, able to look at a watermelon, nod seriously, take some notes, and tell you with a straight face that that watermelon is a motorbike, before turning around and telling someone else with an equally straight face that the watermelon is in fact a puppy. Another interesting detail in today's vote is that the law was changed so that for the first time 16 and 17 year olds will be able to vote and that has to be a huge boost for the pro-independence movement Andy because who could be more interested interested in independence than someone who has a curfew of 10.30 and who is forced to share a bunk bed with their nine-year-old sister? you, England. You don't understand me. I wish we'd never been forcibly co-opted into the union. God, I hate you. Uh, Even the Queen herself has apparently advised Scotland to think very carefully about what decision they're about to make, which is a pretty chilling way to put it, Andy. It does make you wonder whether she has an arsenal of nuclear corgis that she's willing to dispatch if this vote does not go the way that she wants. And in perhaps the boldest appeal to Scotland's feelings, Prince William even impregnated his wife again, (laughs) announcing the pregnancy just a few weeks ago in a clear attempt to influence the Scottish referendum. Why else would they be having a second child, Andy? It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) This was the boldest move they could possibly have made, short of her giving birth publicly on Hadrian's Wall to a baby that came out with a painted blue face wearing a kilt screaming freedom. (laughs) And uh, I have heard breaking news that baby Morag is due to be born, I believe, in uh, (laughs) April of next year. I'm not sure. Um... As you say, the history of this is uh, is rather complicated. The union basically began uh, as a sort of marriage of economic convenience um, just over 300 years ago. But there's been a lot of tension, I think, between the bottom bit of this island and the top bit, really since Emperor Hadrian took one look at Scotland and said, wall, big f***ing wall. And there have been a number of uh, anniversaries that have been cited as potentially influencing the way that people vote, so important moments in uh, 
in Scottish history. Uh, uh, it's exactly 40 years since 1974, the f- uh, so the 40th anniversary of the Bay City Rollers breakthrough single, Remember Shalala, which contains the politically incendiary lyric, Shimmy Shammy Shom, we used to make them songs, Remember Shalalalu, I used to sing to you, which, if played backwards, sounds like death to the union and all who support it. Let Scotland once more be its own master and its own slave, and may Edward Heath be battered like a sausage and drowned in gravy. So, uh, and also, 1314, 700 years ago, the Battle of Bannockburn, uh, I believe the history panel verdict, is home win on that, a famous Scottish victory over England, one of the most famous battles in Scottish history. And it was suggested this might affect the way that people vote, this surge of patriotism from a battle that happened 700 years ago. Now... I'm not going to tell people how to behave in a polling station, but if at any point in your voting life anywhere in the world you find your decision being influenced by the results of a battle from 700 f***ing years ago, put your pencil down and walk out of that polling station and say, no, I am out of my democratic comfort zone. This is not my game. And move to the Middle East. Another amazing side story is the potential voter turnout today. A total of 4 million... 285,323 people uh, have uh, registered to vote, which is a massive 97% of the total number of people eligible to register to vote. Experts are uh, projecting a turnout of over 80%, which is uh, really incredible. But you would also f***ing hope so, Andy, because (laughs) even allowing for our politically apathetic times, if you cannot get your arse into a voting booth to vote on essentially which country you're currently standing on, then maybe democracy is just not for you. (laughs) Uh, Also, one of the the big questions that's going to be uh, influencing people's decision is, of course, whether or not Scotland, as an independent country, would be able to keep the pound, or as they call it, the pound. So, uh, <laughs> what, what is the current feeling over there, Andy? Would Scotland be able to keep the pound? Is that something they could have? <laughs> well, uh, currently, all the, the no campaign is saying, no, you basically wouldn't be able to keep the pound, whereas what they the clearly pound, mean is... Andy, the pound, Andy, the pound. They're not interested in the pound. <laughs> clearly, uh, what they mean is, yeah, we'll probably find a way to make it work. But they can't really say that, John. They can't, uh, they can't say it, but I think it would certainly have to feature pictures of the Queen looking really sad and wearing a Jimmy hat, which she does on a daily basis anyway. Uh, this morning, in what could be a decisive turn of events, Andy Murray, the aforementioned Andy Murray, the British tennis player, has finally broken his silence on the referendum, John. He said this, huge day for Scotland The no campaign's negativity in the last few days totally swayed my view on it. Excited to see the outcome. Let's do this. So Murray is in favour of independence, John. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. And uh, which, um, but it's not just him, John. What about the other top hundred ranked tennis players in the world? (laughs) Well, world number fifty-four, Edouard Roger Vasselin of France said it's sickening the way big business is essentially trying to blackmail Scots into voting no. They're as good as taking backhanders from Westminster. Whereas Lucas Lacko, the Slovakian world number 84, he's on the other side. He says, I'm with a no camp, and I expect I'll get a volley of abuse for that. On the women's game, Alison van Eytvank, world number 79 from Holland, says, yes, the UK system is not currently working fairly, but that doesn't mean that independence is right, by which I mean I think it would be a double fault. 
Uh, whereas Simona Halep, the world number two from Romania, said, I'm world number two, Simona Halep from R- Romania. I'm with the yes camp. I think significantly reducing the size of something can give you much more energy and mobility. I know this because I have shot up the world rankings of late following major breast reduction surgery. <laughs> so it could be that Simona Halep's uh, spectacular year on the tennis circuit by far the best year of her career could swing the, uh, the referendum in favour of yes. History will be the judge. A lot of the economic debate, uh, John, has been focused on Scotland's oil and how much it would have. Uh, There's various speculation over exactly how much. It's slightly less than they would have had after Tony Blair did a cheeky little move of uh, Britain's maritime borders. Um, And uh, I think he claimed he was just protecting protecting the North Sea oil from the invading Iraqi navy at the time. Um, But uh, 40 years is what I've heard. Scotland has around about 40 years... Of oil, So I guess it's not a pressing concern. I mean, that is a lifetime away in certain parts of inner city Glasgow, which I guess might be the problem. And also, I'm not sure that this oil will give Scotland the economic independence and self-determination it craves. I mean, look at how oil works around the world, John. I think what it will give Scotland is the chance to dream that maybe if it goes independent one day in five, ten, maybe 15 years' time, a Scottish oil billionaire will be pissing away his nation's birthright on a mid-ranking English Premier League football team. Live the dream, Scotland. Live the dream. And now, on this historic day for Britain and British democracy, as we are about to shard into a million different pieces of the nation, potentially, it's time for a special bugle, Ask a Scotsman. And that Scotsman is the former bugle producer, Tom, uh, currently based about as far away from Scotland as he can physically get without leaving the surface of the planet in Australia. Hello, Tom. Freedom! Oh, what? <laughs> We're going to be using the pound? How, how is that going to work? Hello. So, uh, are, are you excited about, uh, about this piece of democracy that you, as a proud Scotsman, are not entitled <laughs> to take part in? Not remotely, no. Right. And because, uh, I mean, there's a number of very awkward uh, awkward constitutional questions that haven't been adequately answered, I believe, by either side. What is going to happen to the Queen's I Heart UK tattoo? I mean, what, what are we going to... Because the, the name of the country could have to change. The former UK could be, you know, FUK. That comes with... That's fraught with difficulties. <laughs> and a, a bugler, bugler suggests, um, uh, I think, Northern... I think- the Queen's tattoo is safe. Uh, uh, to keep your interest, Andy, I'm going to use a sporting analogy. Um, okay, oh, you yes have my full undivided is attention. like the Scotland football team, uh, full of false hope, uh, taking on the world champions recently, Germany, uh, running them pretty close, 2-1, but no one really expected them to win. Um, it was all part of sentimental Celtic romanticism that really no one put much faith in. The no camp is more like the England team, um, which represents capital and the markets and the media. It's depressing, it's relentless, but somehow it just keeps on going on, depressing us, and that is reality. (laughs) So it's hope versus reality, and I think it's very much going to be reality tomorrow. I'm putting my my bet on that. (laughs) A dance as old as democracy itself. (laughs) The, the Queen's tattoo should be fine, Andy. She can just turn the UK into the University of Kentucky uh, <laughs> logo. It's fine. I think, She's just going to become a huge University of Kentucky fan. <laughs> I think she did. That will never go away. She did a semester there, I think, didn't she? She was in the, she was in the volleyball team. I do have to question the legitimacy of 
two race traitors being part of this, John being based in America and me being based in Australia. <laughs> yeah, me and Chris are basically holding this whole fucking country together. The traitors yeah, it's like true. If, 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 this, if they leave, it's all on you, Andy. <laughs> but honest, Scotland had Andy, no problem with England based, while I was there. You went to Oxford, so you're David Cameron, and Chris is uh, <laughs> Miliband, so... Um, to be honest, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard Chris as angry as that in my life. So, Tom, how, how do you hope it's going to go? I mean, what, 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 uh, what side are you on? Um, it's very conflicting, to be honest. The uh, Better Together campaign has been more depressing than Scottish history, and if anyone's actually studied <laughs> Scottish history, it's been depressing. Um, a, a litany of terrible things that will happen if mainly based around money and influence of things that we don't really have influence over. But the other side is Alex Salmond, who comes across as a very, very slick car salesman who's going, look at this, Mr. and Mrs. Scotland, a beautiful uh, convertible sports car. Uh, wouldn't you like to feel the freedom in your hair amongst the drizzle and the midges? Uh, excuse me, Mr. Salmond, what's that alarming lack of oil at the bottom of the car? Don't be concerned with that. Look at this beautiful freedom that I'm offering you. Let me just put to rest here. Scotland's actually done quite well out of the union. And this is someone who, I was a committed nationalist until about the age of 30. Um, we also didn't invent the deep fried Mars bar. That was actually invented in Hull in England. Um, <laughs> many other myths need to be disputed. Haggis is actually quite nice according to John's ridiculous racist stereotype on his so-called... <laughs> <laughs> I will all be dead soon anyway. I mean, give it 100 years. Who's going to give a shit? Tom, the exiled Scots from the other half of the world, thank you very much indeed. Well, uh, that's it. Good luck, Scotland. How, however you vote, I hope you're happy with, 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 with yourselves. I guess whatever the result, we're going to wake up tomorrow morning, Friday morning, John, with two big questions, whatever happens. One, what the f*** is Britain? And two, seriously, what the f*** is Britain? So I think this story is going to rumble on long after the voting has been counted. Uh, that's all from this week's Bugle. It's uh, great to be back, Buglers. Uh, we'll be back Next week, do keep your emails coming in to info at the buglepodcast.com and do come to my Soho Theatre show Monday the 22nd to Saturday the 27th next week. Keep your uh, emails for that coming in to satirise this at satirisforhire.com. Thanks to everyone who's been to see the show so far. Uh, and until next week, goodbye and vote hard and vote often, Scotland. Bye! Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.